So as we enter retreat, actually spending some time creating our, our retreat structure, then its own walls and times are all places, physical places, circumstantial places are all secondary. Most important place is the place of the heart, the place of chitta, heart, awareness, you know, and uh, what it can be aroused by, brought forth by. This is a quality that's often uh, compressed in daily life, the receptive, the sensitive. You know, it's compressed under the pressure of consciousness, mental consciousness particularly. Mm. Mental consciousness is the uh, process whereby sights and sounds transform into meanings. It's called perception. Sights and sounds are transformed into meanings. Pleasant, unpleasant, necessary, him, her, that, this, and so forth. And of course also Meanings themselves are generated. The future is a meaning, a perception, an idea. The past, other people, the nation, so forth. Right and wrong. These things, these all this urgency, important, necessary, terrible, horrible, frightening, lovely, exciting, eager, willing, unwilling. All this comes, these perceptions that are touching the citta. Manovinyana sees these, creates these, formulates these. Sometimes from the citta's own trembling, the heart's trembling. Manovinyana, oh, I'm because of this. Trembling because of this. Because of something happened there or something happened here. And then this perception then touches the jitter and more trembling occurs. So you get this escalating effect. You notice that happen. You read the newspapers, you look on the internet, you pick up some media. Oh dear, what's going on? Oh, right. and The signs, the sounds, the words, the images, the faces, the figures, the facts so-called facts, we don't even know if they're facts anymore, and signs of emergency, urgency, desperation. Oi! And that lands on your chitta. Chitta goes, oh goodness, so much. Feel overwhelmed, uncertain, confused. It's agitated. And we don't know what to do with that. Do something, nothing I can do, feel hopeless. So that meaning, hopelessness, that lands on the chitta. <laughs> that interpretation, hopeless, lands on the chitta. Chitta, oh no, hopeless. And feel hopeless, oh, I don't want to feel hopeless. Let me find something else I can 
feel better with, maybe go for a walk or do some yoga or have a smoothie or something, you know, <laughs> get away from that <laughs> uh, experience. And you know, yes, it starts moving, not necessarily unwholesome ways, you know. But it moves because we don't like those, those meanings are very powerful. Yeah. What's happened actually? You could say, What's happened? You switched on your website, your news feed, you saw some images, and meanings arose. Can't actually be certain they're true, but they had carried powerful messages that touched your jitta. Your jitta trembled and rose up. You felt uncertain, frightened, deeply concerned. Absolutely. And then what does it do? What do I do? What do I do? I don't know what to do. You feel distract, feel hopeless, get angry, upset. Yeah, it's kind of what we do, isn't it, maybe? Or get philosophical and, oh, well, it's all a waste of time anyway. Yeah. When we look at it in terms of Dhamma, it's just that Jitta doesn't have the capacity to manage, to, to assimilate, to integrate, to release, to properly relate to these unhelpful, these afflictive perceptions and meanings. It taps into old perceptions and meanings, helpless, futile, waste of time, life is dreadful. This can build up to, to intense proportions for people. Mm. What good does it do? What good does it do? The world, yourself, anybody. So being really, really pragmatic about it. Really, not just, just really pragmatic about it. How much can you take of this? Mm. Yeah. And how do you manage these dreadful perceptions that arise? Mm. Need a lot of strength and capacity, I would suggest. And maybe this is why we meditate. One of the reasons why we meditate. We try to fortify the citta with enlightenment factors, with indriyas, with these uh, uh, spiritual faculties and spiritual tools and spiritual intelligences to give the citta strength and capacity. And there's obviously there's an everyday need for that. There's also the end of life need for that. When everything in about us is breaking down, wouldn't it be good to have those capacities there? Jesus has been strengthened, fortified, no longer scrambled by displeasure, by confusion. Maybe this could be the release to not to run out which is the obvious solution, run out to 
you know, run out to you know the smoothie, run out to the beach, run out to the you know, yeah. This is not going to criticize anybody for doing that. Absolutely not. But when you can't run out, when you can't run out, what does it do? When you can't escape. Well, the wisdom teachings are that when you can't escape, there is a more more profound escape. The Buddha used that word escape. Escape from the born, escape from the created, escape from the conditioned. There is a, can be a release from that. By not going. The teaching is that all phenomena come and go. Sight sounds painful, agreeable, delightful, miserable. These come and go. The nature is to come and go. There's the possibility of jitter not coming and going. So when that which comes and goes, such as this very body, fall away, jitter doesn't fall away. When manifestations pass away, maybe the jitta could be released. And if we look at this perhaps more every day, it's the everyday stressing, jitta experiences, where we don't want to close it down, we don't want to just distract ourselves. Somehow this is a response that's understandable but inadequate. Could it be that we could take some of that dukkha and release the agitation from what that occurs the suffering that occurs, the unsatisfactoriness, the anguish, the ongoing confusion of, of conditions, conditions driven by passion, power, fear, aversion, the ongoing confusion of that, that we have to meet. Could it be that that would not be, could not be in doesn't have to be internalized nor reacted to nor suppressed and the awakened ones say yes this is possible and from that place of no going backwards forwards upwards downwards inwards outwards 
peace could arise. And when the chitta is at that place of peace, as the there could be the resonance of compassion, wisdom could emanate, could inform the mental consciousness towards skillful action, towards skillful speech. This certainly was the conduct of the awakened one. We can also, so many times on these sessions, retreats, people are saying, what are we going to do about social justice, racism, global warming, mothers, dementia, political parties, fuming, corruption, lies, deceit. What are we going to do about it? To place your plan, find your place to to be discharging the effects of that, and then you do what comes forth is what comes forth. Now, in external terms, that may not be as much as one would wish for. We can see in the time of the Buddha. His, one of his chief disciples, King Bimbisan, murdered by his own son. Devout disciple, the Buddha, murdered by his own son. King Ajatasattu, his son, killed his own dad. Ajatasattu then waged war on various republics and other little statelets in that region and the Buddha could not prevent that happening. Famine occurred. Mm. War occurred. The Buddha could not prevent these conditions occurring. Uh, he certainly taught ways and means that if people had picked them up, yes, if people had picked up non-violence, if people had picked up you know, social awareness, cooperation, the beauty of harmony, the true role of the righteous leader, justice, morality, mildness, living in accordance with Dhamma. Yes, there would have been a solution, but they didn't pick it up. But those who do pick it up, they, you know, they do find a reward and a fruition and a release. And maybe there's a long-term trickle-down effect. That, um, you know, the moderating influence of Buddhist practice in societies where, you know, there's a recognition, you know, this is... This is a this is a steady this is a steady place. What this culture, what this practice brings around actually is the worthy. Mm. And as 
kings and ministers and presidents and crazy people come and go. Maybe this ongoing force continues to be a light in the world for those who will listen. At this time, when we see so much pressure, so many crises occurring, environment, political, economic, I'm aware of these. We also see uh, amongst all this uh, fire and smoke, the arising of um, People really get it, they've got to cooperate. They get it. They begin to wake up just through seeing the horror of the alternative. And they find, oh, there's a series of practices, technologies, social forms that have been kept going. For thousands of years, well practiced, well tried, well tested. Why don't we try some of these? You can take a little bit, you can take a lot, you can take what you want. And finding this Dhamma as a resource for individuals and for individuals as a basis of societies. And we see in this time, we see both the horror and the beauty of the human condition extremely um, clearly. Never been thousands of years of history, there's never been so many organizations set up for the welfare of wildlife. 19th century didn't have, you know, global organizations looking after whales. We're hunting them, killing them. We didn't have people raising funds to rescue lions. We shot them. <laughs> you know, we didn't have people s- sectioning off, you know, chunks of the ocean as maritime nature reserves. We fished them. Yeah, and now we see all these things rising up, and we also see this this whole environmental thing. You see, the environment is internal. Never been so much mental and psychological distress and craziness and pain, anxiety, obsessions, addictions, and all the conventional stuff doesn't really work. And the nature of the society, the nature of the pressures in the society is seen as complementing to the problems of the human mind when it's pressed and squeezed and distorted. And say, well, what about this? So this is what we do. We we carry that light and we keep it well practiced. And, you know, and then each individual according to her or his capacity, her or his skills, her or his role. You know, the aim is to, to, to really get the sense in which you, you're, you know, your dharma is where you are and it's you use your voice and your people, and your resources, and your networks. And it's not, it's not a one-step solution. 
it's a and you always but you always realize you've got to get the the resources together to do that and this is you know what what i'm doing i'm teaching trying to encourage to just feed people uh, feed people and clean people clean people from the dust and turmoil clean their hearts from the dust and turmoil of the world and whatever we do this is this is our fundamental piece of the universe that you have to primarily look after is your chitta that was the one you came in with that was your fundamental duty if that is clarified fortified it is natural that that moves out not runs out but radiates emanates goodwill compassion truthfulness honesty harmlessness fearlessness that's a resource and uh, from the time of the Buddha onwards walk walk in the world let people see you there'll be those who say she's interesting what does he have Hmm. you know this is how it this is how it catches on this is how it works so let's take some time this is early early point in the retreat and let's take some time to direct practice <clears throat> 